Good morning all. Thank you Trevor and to um, our wonderful pianist Pete. I'm mesmerised sometimes by how his fingers work. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, yeah. smoking at the moment aren't they? (laughs) Thanks for having me back. It's wonderful always to be here and uh, share uh, some of God's uh, word with you this morning. Um, we're, yes, we're continuing our, our uh, radical uh, welcome of the early church is what we're looking at today and um, we're looking really at how we welcome people in 2023. How do we welcome people and how are we radical? Wayne, in his little bit that he was putting out to all of the speakers, he just put this a uh, uh, couple of lines and I just wanted to start off with that. It says, as the gospel grew, the early church had to welcome many different people. The Bible tells us they devoted themselves to each other. As a church, do we truly welcome like this? Leave that hanging. So there's a little bit of an underlying question. There are plenty of questions. There could be some answers, but I think these are going to be answers that we will explore together over the coming weeks months, years, especially as my role as community pastor, I've got loads of ideas, but I've just got to make sure that they're God's ideas and not Gary's ideas. Um, so let's, let's get into past the passage of scripture here, it's Acts 2, um, verse 42 to 47, very, very familiar to us, um, but let's just have a little look at this now. So, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceedings to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being (coughs) saved. Sounds amazing. This early church, this young baby of a church starting... And here we are in 2023, God's church is still going. But it looks a little bit different. It looks a bit different. I've highlighted a few things that jumped out to me. I wanted to briefly look at how this might have worked in the first century, uh, Christianity, but isn't quite what we've got today in 2023. They devoted themselves to each other. All came upon everyone, signs and wonders. All believers were together and all things in common. They sold possessions and goods. Day by day they were in the temple and broke bread in homes and ate together. And day by day the Lord added to their number. As we consider this, we need to be thinking, have we moved away from this model? over 2,000 years? And if so, how do we radically reclaim this for what the church has become 
today. Because I think all of us love hearing that passage of Scripture and going, wow, what was that like? Can't happen in 2023. Why not? Leaving questions hanging this morning. What do you see as welcome? Or as a radical welcome? A lovely welcome on the door. Handshake, thank you very much. Lovely. It's welcoming to have a glass of water here. It's welcoming. We have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee afterwards and some biscuits, although I'm not eating the biscuits at the moment, being good. Um, But is that welcome? Is is that our radical welcome? How do we truly welcome each other into our homes and this place? Now, who can remember growing up? And I'm not being annoying here and saying you can't. I can remember growing up. Can anyone remember what it was like growing up what was different about where you lived and, and, and the, the time when you lived as a child, as a teenager? Was that front door and that back door constantly open? Yeah? There it was. The kids would run in, run out. You'd be one of them, just, oh, I miss his. Like, you know, sit down at the dinner table with a completely strange family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that welcome, yeah, come on, have something to eat. The kids would be around. Then you'd be neighbour would lean in over the fence and just like, how are you doing? You're right. Fences, by the way, how tall were fences? Three foot. <laughs> Wayne was talking to us during the week. He said he remember that his mum used to pick him up, stick him over the neighbour's um, garden because it's a three foot fence. What size fence have we got now? Five, six. Interesting, isn't it? How did you interact with neighbours when you were growing up? How do you interact with neighbours now? Street parties. Remember coronations and all the kind of things that went on? I remember even as a kid that the whole street was out where we lived. Not so much the recent coronation. There were some street parties, but not everybody. Maybe like in the old day. Communities changed. Did you eat together with your neighbours? Yeah. Maybe some of you didn't, and that's okay, but it's just like, it just seems to me, reflecting back on, there was that open door policy that was like, come on round, wait, do you need a bag of flour? Yeah, come on, I've got some. Unfortunately, we live in a society that is mostly completely different to how it was 2,000 years ago, including, I believe, our church setting. Who likes history? I loved history at school. I was rubbish at it, but I loved history. <laughs> I was rubbish at a lot of things at school, don't worry, about from woodwork and art, cracking. Um, and that'll do. But I, I, as I've grown older, especially looking at the Christian faith, I've loved looking at the history. And um, this is a really good book that um, one of my lecturers at college wrote, uh, called Simon, he's a lovely guy. Uh, it's The World of the Early Church, and it's brilliant, the reason why I like it, it's because it's got pictures in it. <laughs> I love it. It's just, it breaks it up and it's like, oh, okay, so there's some really good stuff. I'm going to read a little bit of that in a minute. But Jerusalem, which is where this is set, okay? Jerusalem was part of a Roman Empire, a Jewish province ruled by Roman officials with occupying armies. So already we see a bit of a difference, okay? That was an occupied land. We're not. 
We're in a, live in a free democratic society. More people are well off, obviously, today, but we've still got poverty in our own town, country and world. It's only a few of the elites in Roman times that had the money. Okay? And they had that kind of power. A few were rich and would live in a building that was built separately. Now, have you got the first picture? Or if there is one. It's coming. Anyway. It was a building um, called a domus. Okay? And um, the wealth of these people... Yeah, there it is. So this is a wealthy... Uh, Roman uh, owner's kind of house. Um, It's huge. It's massive. There's courtyards, there's guest rooms, there's even down here, I loved it, where business guests were welcomed and they would do all the business. Because actually a lot of these uh, guys were, they owned land. They'd lease land. They'd have livestock. It's a massive farming kind of thing and they were the big owners. Interestingly, oh, I'll come to that. I mean, the traders, farmhands, and the poor would have been living off the generosity of being able to pick up from the edges of fields. And we read about this in the book of Ruth. People in the surrounding areas would live off the economy of this place. So there would be carpenters and, and, and bakers and, and traders that they would get a lot of their money from this wealthy person. And we still see some of that working today. I don't know if anyone's seen the um, TV programme that's been on Channel 5 this week. It's the, the Harvest one. It's Harvest Live or something. And it was from Barleylands. They were, they, it was at Barleylands, which was great because my Katie works at Barleylands. And, and for those of you that watched it, at the end they had, they were, the competition was to guess the weight of the golden potato. My Katie weighed that. <laughs> that's her claim to fame and then, she was, and then she was sitting there going yeah and he has he likes an egg and mayo sandwich that one likes to get a cinnamon latte she's like going everything that she served them and I just thought that's really cool but um, the Philpot family are, are, own such a lot of land uh, in Billericay but actually how many people benefit local economy benefit from them being um, wealthy landowners in Billericay you can put the next one up, please. This is how most um, low to middle income earners would have lived in buildings called insula, where their home was also their workplace. So there were mini apartments that kind of lined the road, as you can see there. On the left you can see um, a, a relief there in stone of, of a grocer and a baker selling produce out of one tiny little square piece here. And at the end of the day, when they'd done their day's work, they would shut the front, turn around, and eat their evening meal with their family. And that could have been their only room. It could have been three, four kids. Who knows? But that was the only room. To have two rooms, you're doing well off. You're all right. They would work, eat, sleep and raise a family in these dwellings. They worked in close proximity to everyone else. Carpenters, potters, blacksmiths, seamstresses, bakers, etc. They would have traded with one another. They may have been hired 
the, the poorest may have been hired for a day's work, either at this place or at the big place with the farmland. But the poor would literally live in caves and in the woods, on the streets, very similar to what we see in certain parts of the country. And, because yeah, it happens. I remember when, when, um, when the, the Olympic Games happened here in 2012, um, all the homeless were moved out of London. Do you know where they ended up? Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes. And they literally had tents everywhere underneath all the walkways. They just shipped them out. The poorest of the poor shipped out everywhere else. Interestingly, during COVID, they were all put in hotels. And then after hotels, they were kicked, uh, after COVID happened, it was like, yeah, thanks very much, you're out now, because you can't afford it anymore. We actually managed to have no homeless for a while. Interesting. Let's leave that there. <laughs> now, Jesus was alive at this time. Okay? Now, obviously not in Acts, but actually a little bit further. So Jesus was around at this time, knowing Roman occupation, knowing all of this stuff. Um, he may have lived in a place like this in Nazareth. We don't know. I like to think of what it was like in the culture at the time. Where did they live? Um, our mind, it doesn't tell us in the Bible. No, it doesn't. But he was son of a carpenter. So a carpenter probably would have had a workshop. Could have been something like that. Jesus could have lived in a very small place. Maybe even one room, two rooms. Don't know. We don't know. But these are the kind of things I love to think about. So Jesus knew the economy of the place. He was known as a carpenter as well, trained by Joseph. So it's interesting to think Jesus would have been trading as a young man with his family up and down places like this. So that's where we kind of like have this context of this early church. He ate with many people, spent time with them. He was given a nickname of a drunkard and a glutton because he hung around with people who ate and drank. And he was known as the friend of sinners. Now this passage we've read, it comes about 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection. After Pentecost and after Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, preaches an amazing sermon. And it says that thousands started to follow what is known as the way. It wasn't called Christianity then. It was the way. Now many of these new believers would have stayed in Jerusalem for Passover festivals, just hanging around afterwards, trading, visiting friends, or just curious about this Jesus guy and this new thing. What do you mean? Someone came back from the dead. What? Yeah, so I saw him. What? People, there was, there was a lot of people around. Some of them may have witnessed Jesus entry into Jerusalem, his death and his resurrection. They may have been in the crowd shouting crucify. What we do know is there are at least 3,000 who repented, were baptised, and that's when we come to our passage in Acts 2.42. It wasn't just a little group of people. There were thousands. And in the Acts 2.42 passages, we have read that there was lots of stuff kind of going on and, and their number increased daily. This early church would have understood the message of Jesus, seen how he cared for others. So they devoted themselves to one another. They sold their goods, lands and possessions so that others were equal with them. 
This was actually called love communalism. Love communalism. Where they loved each other so much, they couldn't bear the thought of a Christian brother or sister not having anything to eat, or any clothes to wear, or anywhere to stay that night. Regardless of their status, whether they owned one of the big houses, one of these houses, or out on the street, brothers and sisters were saying, no, have what I have. They welcomed one another into their houses, would share stories, would worship and eat together. Neighbours would have been amazed at what was going on. And seeing their neighbours having this communal love for each other was like this another sign and wonder, these miracles that were going on. What would that have looked like in this place where well, they started off as Christians and then, then, then they started off as Christians as well and then this lot next door, they heard about it, they went next door and they made a commitment to you. Before you know it, the whole place is full of Christians. It was, it was, like, it was like wildfire. This early church, this radical church. And the thing they did the most was welcome. They welcomed people into their homes. It wasn't actually for quite some time later, 200 years, that they actually started having church buildings. They may have met in big houses if a rich landowner had said, yeah, come and meet in my place. Or, or in the court squares, or wherever it was. And read a bit from this book. Um, and we know that Paul was a tent maker. It says here, for Paul, the key thing about the workplace was the opportunity it afforded to him to meet people with whom he could share the gospel. Homes were crucial for the growth of the early church, but the workplace was too. Indeed, in Thessalonica, it could well have been the workplace was also the home where they met. It was through this work that Paul met people. Customers would have come to place orders for his tents. He could well have visited homes where orders had come from in order to measure for a bespoke awning or delivering the finished goods. We can imagine conversations developing over the workbench that resulted in an invitation to come and eat with the family, buying the goods from him. And very soon customers were becoming Christians and small churches were forming in the streets around his workshop. Wow. Just by making tents. See, this is where it's different in what we have today. It says actually in Jerusalem they gathered in the temple but Quite quickly, if you read further on in Acts, we see persecution coming. Persecution from before Paul was who he was, Saul. Standing there as Stephen, the first Christian, was martyred. But homes were where people gathered to worship, to eat, to share and provide for each other. And this would have spread throughout these communities as neighbour welcomed neighbour and they came to follow Jesus. This was the radical welcome of the early church. How does that encourage us today? <laughs> Society's changed. Society has changed. 
We no longer live where we work. But we're still in neighbourhoods. We still live next to people. We still live in that little street or that little home, whatever it is. There are still people around us. God has provided a wonderful church building we can gather to worship in. But is this where we're seeing our community being gathered? We're gathered as a, a church community this morning, which is great. Here to worship, sung worship, to, to listen to some bloke up the front waffle on. Not too many laughters, thank you very much. What would encourage one of your neighbours to say, do you know what, I want to come with you on Sunday morning? What would make it so enticing, so radical for them to say, I want to come to your place on Sunday. I want to be there. Because that's what was happening in Acts. There's a a thing called FOMO, which young people use. Fear of missing out. FOMO. I want to go to that because I don't want to miss out on it. That was the exciting stuff that was kind of happening at this time. It's virtually impossible, I think, to return to this style of living unless we have a completely different radical shift in how we live. I believe we've all become too independent. We've built our castles with our six-foot fences. And, And... how we live sometimes is very difficult to welcome in a stranger, a neighbour. Oh, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to know what to say. It's right that we gather to devote ourselves to each other. And we're going to do that shortly with communion. <coughs> but is Sunday enough? And should we exclusively do it with just Christians? What does it look like to gather with your neighbours? I understand we have to be really careful in society today not to be have the wall pulled over our eyes by some people that are out to just, you know, do the wrong thing. But actually it's really important to think how do I interact with my neighbours in a way that they would want to come along to something that we're doing. The survey that I've been conducting um, is starting to reveal a need that we probably know is around, and that's loneliness. People are lonely from all ages. Do you think these early Christians were lonely? They gathered together daily to eat, to worship, to pray, to work. They probably didn't have time for themselves. <laughs> or to sit down and read it, but no. Some of them maybe couldn't even read. As a close, I want us to consider how we welcome people into our homes. Have you thought of inviting a neighbour around for a coffee, a chat or even a meal? Are you even praying for them? You're scared of what you might say. Christina came up to me uh, just before I uh, preached and said, God can use you. 
God will use you. Age is not a barrier. You may be thinking, oh, what, what, what words shall I have to say? And Christina reminded me that even God used a donkey to speak. So he can use you. A wonderful child of God. How do we gather as Billericay Baptist Church at Tyne Road and have all of those things that Acts 2 said? All things in common. There are signs and wonders. Do we gather to eat together? Could we? Could that be a radical new thing? Could we then invite our neighbours, come and have a lunch with us? Come and have breakfast with us? Come and have a tea with us? It's a free meal for starters. That's a free meal ticket. People are going to come to that. Trust me, they do. I do. <laughs> I heard, of, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here and then we'll, we'll, we're going to take communion, but I heard of a wonderful initiative recently which I'm looking into. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but if, it's, if, if God feels it's right, then it's called Dinner Church. I mean, straight away the title has got me. Dinner Church. There was about eight people in a dying church and they said, we have got to do something radical. So the leader said, well... Acts 2.42 says it all. We've just, just got to stop doing what we're doing of our worship sermon, worship, tea, coffee, bye, see everyone next week thing. We've got to stop that because we're dying. No one else is coming into the church. So they literally just started to say to their neighbours and everybody around, would you like lunch? Would you like dinner? Yeah, that would be really nice. So they literally put out tables in their church building and invite everyone. There's business owners going, there's homeless people going, uh, drug addicts, there are families going. People are going, they're having lunch. And as they have lunch, someone strikes up the band. (laughs) And they start singing worship songs. And they stop and have another course. And there are people on the tables that are just opening the Bible. How are you doing? You know, what's going on in life? Can I pray for you? Then some person gets up and does a little bit of a preach, a little bit of a sharing of the gospel, what's happening, etc. From these eight people, there are now 12 dinner churches in that town. And all they did was say, let's eat together. I love that. And actually, as we, as we kind of look at this how do we radically welcome each other? Most importantly as well, our community. How do we welcome them into our lives and into the kingdom of heaven? The word radical in there is a challenge. And it's a challenge for our lifestyle and what we do. I'm not looking at this and going, yay, this is great, we can do this. It's a challenge, but if we feel that we really want to see our friends and our neighbours come to Christ, Jesus did it through food <laughs> a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. So let's just leave that as an open question for you to think about, to ponder on, to pray into. I want to explore it a lot more as well. See where it goes from here. But let me pray.
Father God, I thank you for the inspiration of the early church. And Father, as I look sometimes at the church, generally, we've kind of really fallen away from that original initial idea of of welcoming the strangers, the neighbours, our work colleagues and everything else like that. They all had everything in common. And that was Jesus Christ. Father, how do, we, how do we do that today? Can we do that today? Father, would you inspire us by your Holy Spirit to be in prayer, to be thinking, to be asking you the questions that we may see not just the church grow, but your kingdom grow. But Father, we would know that our neighbours have come to Christ because of just sharing a coffee or a meal or, or just a, a kind word. Father, help us to be radical as Jesus was radical. Help us to break out of our, our kind of independent boxes and look upon others as you look upon them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.